Welcome to episode 13. So, contrary to popular belief, your body is not 60 to 70% water. I know we all learned that in grade three, but actually the vast majority of the fluid in your body is electrolytes. And there are probably far more issues that you've experienced heart palpitations, fatigue, recurring headaches and migraines, a bunch of other stuff that could be related to electrolyte imbalance. And I want to tell you where to find great electrolyte sources and I want to share some truth on those fluorescent coloured sports drinks that boast electrolyte replacement. All right, let's get into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. Hey, what's up, my healthy friends? Welcome back to another episode. Today, we're talking electrolytes as it is something that is often overlooked by a lot of health practitioners. And even you as an individual, it is not likely something that you consider or think about being the causation of feeling sick or if you feel a little bit off or whatever it might be. And I also want to talk to you about which food to add to your diet to maintain a high quality supply of electrolytes into the body and a little on what can go wrong if you have an imbalance. And at the end of the show, I'm going to give you my verdict on the sports drinks that I mentioned before. All right, so just before I get into it, I just do want to do a quick shout out because I'm actually speaking as part of an international event called the Eat Real Food Virtual Health Summit and I'm so blessed to be a part of it. It's a based a Canadian-based event and the schedule is on a Canadian-US time frame, so it actually starts on the 26th to the 28th. It's a three-day event and it's full of amazing speakers that are talking about eating real food, the benefits, you know, the stuff I'm talking about today falls into this category and I'm just really excited. Please, there's a link in the show notes, go and register for the event. There's a bunch of free content from really high quality speakers. It actually starts today and you can still enroll for the free content. So, go now to the link and register before the event is over. Don't worry though, because if you're catching up on this a little after the date, you will always be able to go to that link and register for the event. It will. It's virtual. It's not a physical attendance, so don't worry about missing it. Just jump on the link. You can log in anytime, absorb the knowledge. And if you've ever jumped on any of my content before, this is probably like my public speaking is where I go really deep. And uh, on this particular event, I go probably far deeper than you've ever heard me go before, probably because I had, you know, 60 to 90 minutes to talk in depth about all sorts of things. And I specifically talked on the science of different diet plans and meal plans. And I touch on a little bit of the ethical debate and also the ritualistic side of the history of the way that people do different eating plans. So, it's a super interesting event. There's all sorts of amazing naturopaths, doctors, health coaches, and yours truly. So, please jump on that link. It's in the show notes. Anyway, let's get back to today's episode. We're talking electrolytes. So, let's jump straight into it. So, what are electrolytes, right? So, electrolytes are simply electrically charged minerals that help regulate many of the body's functions, right? So, they're essentially different types of salt that go into the body and they, as I said in the intro, because the body isn't 60 to 70% water, it's 60 to 70% electrolytes, right? And those and that's the electrically charged salt dissolved into the body's H2O, into the body's water. Um, and, and the electrolytes have a ton of functions making the body work correctly. So, the main, there's a bunch of different electrolytes and I want to talk today to you about the main ones that you might have heard before, you might be familiar with, but we're going to talk about sodium, potassium, 
chloride, magnesium, and calcium. And another one of the major ones is phosphate, and there's a few others as well. So, these are the big players, though. I want to talk about these five big players. So, it's going to start with sodium. So, the function of sodium helps maintain body fluid, okay? So, it helps in conjunction with potassium. It helps regulate the movement of fluid in and out of cells and in and out of different organs, cell by cell by cell. And there's a specific ratio that cells like to comfortably sit at for the the ratio of sodium to potassium. So, as when that, when that gradient or that what's known as the concentration gradient changes, the movement of the fluid in and out of cells is, is what occurs. The reality is in a modern diet most people consume way too much sodium so here's a little here's a little uh, task for you to do next time you go to the supermarket look on the back of virtually virtually everything and look at the sodium content and even maybe even if you get home add together pull out everything from your shopping trolley if you and this is obviously for the people that shop at conventional supermarkets and pull everything out of your shopping trolley get a calculator and add together the sodium that's in everything why is it in everything? Because it acts as a preserving agent. It's a salt that helps preserve different foods um, and it's added to lots of foods for that reason. So, yeah, that's the reason that modern Western diets or most diets around the world have an excessive consumption of sodium um, and that causes, causes a bunch of its own problems which we'll talk about soon. And also, sodium is responsible for fluid retention, which depending on your weight loss journey or how you feel or your body's composition, could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. All right, next one, potassium. So again, as a, you know, we just touched on the fact that it's in conjunction with sodium, so it also maintains the the movement of fluid and main, make sure that the balance is good inside and outside of the cell. Um, it, and it works through these pumps called sodium potassium pumps and they're active pumps and the word active in this context means that it requires the body's energy to function requires what's known as ATP Uh, ATP is energy in the body Um, it also works with muscle contractions and nerve signals so it uh, it helps these happen faster and more efficiently and obviously the better the, the more appropriate the concentration the better these things function and it's also referred to as the potassium is referred to as the pacemaker of the heart because it helps the heart um, move consistently. Remember, all the cells in the body are dictated by a movement of this fluid in and out. So, of course, the most important place for fluid to be going in and out is the organ that keeps us, one of the organs that keeps us alive, the most important, the heart. So, Potassium is known as the pacemaker of the heart. Chloride is the next one. It's really good for monitoring blood volume and blood pressure. So, chloride is important in that way. It's involved in making hydrochloric acid which sounds really toxic, but that is what sits in your stomach and it is quite toxic by itself. Chloride comes in conjunction often with sodium because sodium chloride is essentially table salt, right? Those two molecules together are table salt. So, you can get those in your diet quite easily by adding salt to things. The problem is that a low chloride diet might result in acid reflux or heartburn because that means your stomach is is beginning to dysfunction because you're not getting enough chloride, which creates the hydrochloric acid. And so, your body slowly turns off or reduces its capacity to create stomach acid. And this results in all sorts of stomach problems, which that lead to incorrect acid production 
or in- incorrect maintenance of the stomach's contents. So that can be a real problem. And the information that's been put out there in the last 50 years about salt has been telling people to avoid it at all costs. So people that did adhere to that type of advice can be victims of people with low salt, particularly sodium and chloride, since that's the added salt that most people add to their diet, add to their recipes, add to their meals. So, And also these things, because it's, we're talking blood volume, blood pressure, it also assists in the maintenance of body pH. So stomach acid you know, is acids and bases, uh, the combination of those or the balance of those is what dictates the stomachs or the stomachs or the body's pH. And the pH of the body is extremely important. It's one of the most tightly regulated biological variables because if, if... the body goes outside of its regulated pH for too long, you can get really quite sick. And it's not uncommon for that to happen if you have any things that manipulate your pH. Next one, magnesium. So, magnesium is involved in interactions with over 300 different enzymes. Enzymes help break things down, pull things apart, redirect things in um, in different places, the things, the places that they need to go. Um, It works. Magnesium is particularly important, and you might be familiar with this with nerve and muscle function. So. It's not uncommon for people, for bodybuilders, for people that hit the gym a lot, for farmers that are on their feet all day or, or people that work physical jobs, laborers, concreters, these types of things to be taking magnesium supplements because magnesium in conjunction with calcium, which I'll talk about next, are, are extremely important when it comes to your muscle function, right? So, the important thing is that having a good amount of magnesium in your system is imperative for correct and Uh, efficient nerve and muscle function. So, it also works with blood pressure and muscle spasms are are often caused by a a deficiency in magnesium, hence the magnesium tablets that lots of people are on. And the next one is calcium. Now, calcium is actually the most important mineral or electrolyte for your muscles. And depending on how old you are and how overexposed you've been to those really well-funded dairy ads, we know that calcium is really good for your bones and teeth. Now, that is true. That is true. It is exceptionally important for those parts of your body. And it's arguably the most important electrolyte, as I said, for muscle contraction because it moves in and out of the muscle cells extremely rapidly in vast concentrations during muscle contraction. So, you know, if you're, we, you, we use our muscles every single day. And given the fact that our heart beats consistently and it goes up and down all the time at random, you know, at random depending on what we're doing. Um, calcium is extremely important for managing the heart as well because your heart is just a big muscle, right? All, a lot of your organs, biologically, they are just muscle cells that have got different functions, right? So it's really important in the maintenance of a healthy heart and keeping your regular heartbeat. And also, the release of neurotransmitters that send different messages around the body. So, these are the five most important uh, electrolytes that you need to get in your diet, in your body on a daily basis, okay? So, potassium, calcium, magnesium, chloride, and sodium. So, what can a deficiency look like, right? So, there's a bunch of different things that fall into this category, right? So, lots of people have deficiencies due to their lack of, guess what? fruits and vegetables. And in this case, very much talking vegetables, right? Most people have a lack of these in their diet and having these deficiencies long term, which again, isn't uncommon because due to the diet and lifestyle of Westerners and many people around the world, it can result in some serious long term problems and result in what is known as electrolyte disorders. So, 
in the spirit of the name of the podcast, keep listening in an attempt to learn how to not get to that point, right? (laughs) So deficiencies might not be an obvious thing on a day-to-day basis, but it is kind of like running your car on low oil. So if you've got a car and you know you, you might see the oil sign or you might the oil light might not have even come on. You might just have you know low oil in the tank. It's it's kind of like a car that runs fine on low oil for months and months and months, maybe even years, and you don't even realize that there's anything wrong and then all of a sudden everything breaks. Everything breaks or the car carks it it dies because it's been running on low oil for so long. And it, that's like an electrolyte, what a, an electrolyte imbalance can be like. You can go a long time without realizing that that's actually there. So, the obvious types of symptoms that you have depend, of course, on the electrolyte imbalance that you're experiencing. And there's lots of different imbalances that can go in lots of different directions. So, there's, you know, we're talking about the five today, the five major electrolytes, and they've got all ratios with one another. They've got ratio, important ratios ratios to maintain with other compounds in the body and they've got ratios to uh, can t- they've got ratios to maintain in regards to water concentration and water intake as well so there's numbers and ratios and intake amounts going all over the place so um, I want to give you a list of different things that you might have experienced in your everyday that could possibly be contributed to by uh, an electrolyte imbalance okay so heart palpitations and irregular heartbeats. This isn't uncommon for people that are stressed or overweight. You know, some people have these daily, but some people have these after they have an energy drink. You, you know, you're putting in all sorts of different compounds that influence the electrolyte balance and as well as other toxic compounds in that regard. But they, you know, they can cause different electrolyte imbalances, convulsions or seizures. Now, I recently, unfortunately, experienced the the horror of a seizure. It had nothing to do with an electrolyte imbalance, um, but I do know how scary seizures can be, and I'm very grateful that a very important person in my life happens to be a nurse and was in my company when it happened, and she literally saved my life, and I'm extremely grateful for for that. Although my seizure was not a result of electrolyte imbalance, it can result in having convulsions and seizures. Now... The next few are ones you're probably familiar with that can kind of make a bit more sense. So we've got nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, constipation. You know, these are all things that can be as a result of electrolyte imbalance. It's just, you know, a few things in the in the system are not in balance and we need to get them in check. So, you know, which is basic to understand, really. Um, we've got muscle weakness, ad- abdominal cramping, muscle cramping. You know, maybe you go to the gym regularly and on some days you're just finding you can't, you've got no endurance, you can't lift uh, as heavy as you normally do um, or you're just not able to maintain anything. You're like, what's going on? Like there might be, you might have some calcium and magnesium issues going on there. It might be some others, right? So irritability, confusion, headaches, numbness and tingling, all of these things can be a result of electrolyte imbalance, okay? So the important thing as well to understand is where these deficiencies might happen, so that we can start thinking, we can put it into our normal thinking as maybe parents or partners or any, any, anyone just as an individual, you can start reflecting and problem solving in your own little way um, to know where an electrolyte deficiency may have occurred or is in, in a situation where it's likely that your electrolytes are out of balance. So, the, these things can happen when there's a loss of bodily fluids, maybe women on their period, they often have a, a 
massive deposit of calcium on their period. It's just the nature of it being in the blood uh, in high concentrations in the blood at that time of the month. Vomiting, diarrhea, sweating, that can happen to anyone, of course. Um, You can get a high fever consuming different food and beverage or medication that act as a diuretic. What does that mean? That means that it makes you go to the toilet. So the one that you'll be most familiar with is... Alcohol makes you pee all the time, right? Once you burst the seal, once you bust that through that seal, you're peeing every hour. So how can that influence electrolyte imbalance? Well, when you urinate, that's one of the major ways that the body rids itself of excess salt, excess electrolytes. So when you go to the toilet, you're getting rid of electrolytes at a greater rate than you otherwise would have been because you've consumed a diuretic. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Uh, Malabsorption. Your body may be unable to absorb these electrolytes due to things like medications or the quality of your stomach lining, which could have been damaged by poor diet, lifestyle choices, drug taking, excessive and regular alcohol consumption. And actually, here's something that's kind of interesting. The... Uh, the quality of your stomach lining and the different things that operate within your body on many levels, but we're talking t- stomach lining on this in this instance, um, can be contributed to by the diet and lifestyle of your mother. So these things are formed and your immune system's formed initially from a foundational level when you are in your mother's womb. Um, I read a paper not so long ago, and I'm paraphrasing right now, that was titled something like, you're not what you eat, you are what your mother ate. And it was talking about the fundamental foundation of our immune system and how it's created in the womb. So, that's super interesting. Um, Anyway, moving on. Hormonal issues. So, men and women, a lot of people that are not privy to health information or going to the doctor assume hormonal issues just kind of fall into the category of women. But guess what, fellas? You too. You too. So, um, everybody has hormones. There's heaps of them. There's loads of them. Um, And they influence your feelings, your bodily functions, the, the way that you see yourself, all sorts of different things and can influence, depending which ones and where, influence the uptake um, and consumption of 
electrolytes. Um, and here's an interesting one. So I make this comment. I work at a cancer hospital and, you know, the rates are moving towards one in two have cancer. So I thought I'd mention this. Um, so there's a complication of chemotherapy, which is called tumor lysis syndrome, right? So this occurs when your body breaks down tumor cells at such a rapid rate after chemotherapy that cause, that it causes your blood calcium level to go down like rapidly and it causes your potassium levels to go up Um, and these these are obviously a massive electrolyte imbalances so if you are unfortunately in a situation where you have to undergo the extremely toxic and unfavorable uh, medication or treatment of that is chemotherapy, then this is something that might that might, you might experience or might have experienced or you, you might be very lucky if you don't experience it. There are tons of problems that go wrong with this extremely toxic and ineffective treatment, but it's what the conventional Western medical model offers up is the words that I will use. <laughs> um, so, but, you know, again, I very much am a proponent for finding other more natural paths, but that's just what I would do and not advice that I'm handing to you. Anyway, the final one I've got on the list here is excessive water intake, right? So, the the general advice that gets around, which is that drink more water. Everyone should drink more, 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 more water. That's good advice for the general population because most people are never going to enter into that excessive water consumption area. Um, and it might be interesting to know that you can actually die of water poisoning because you've consumed too much water. Anyway, fun fact. Um, the excessive intake of water, might you might have it on some days of your life. It's re- it's unlikely that you're or rare that you're going to experience this on a regular basis, but it's kind of, this, kind of the balance. Remember, we're talking the balance of salt and water or the salt in the water. And if you've got too much water, that means the concentration of your salt is getting lower and lower, not to mention that it's going to be making you pee more often. You're going to be going to the toilet more regularly and therefore not only is the concentration of water getting higher, but you're also excreting excess electrolytes through your urine. So, that's another reason that can contribute to imbalance. So, have you learned anything so far? I am hoping you have and you're starting to think when you feel a little bit off that it could be something like this. Um, You know, this is just giving you the tools to sort of check yourself when you have to or when you're feeling not quite right. And obviously, if you are in those situations and it is an electrolyte problem, that's exactly why I want to talk to you right now about the five best foods for electrolytes. So, this is my personal opinion of the types of foods you should be you just simply should have them in your diet every day anyway, right? But obviously, if you're feeling like you've got a bit of an electrolyte imbalance or there's some issues going on or maybe you experienced anything that I mentioned before, then these following foods can contribute to, to sort helping you sort shit out, right? So, I want to start with number one, leafy greens. You're probably rolling your eyes. That's no surprise. Everybody says more leafy greens for everything. They're so nutrient dense and they are so electrolyte dense, right? So, we're talking things like watercress, spinach, kale, and actually one of the best ones, which is commonly overlooked and you often need to go to a market to get, is the leaves and stems of beetroot, right? So, they're super good for you. Next one, coconut and coconut water, really high in electrolytes, coconut water. And when I'm talking coconut water, I'm talking the real stuff, not the processed, manufactured, uh, sweetened, sugar-added crap. I'm talking the legit stuff that's natural, that's straight from where it should be, and that's good for you. Next one, avocado. Now, if for whatever reason, I was stranded on, on an island and a genie granted me a wish and I had to wish for one food that I would eat for the rest of time 
time, I would pick avocados. And that's why avocados is next because the nutrient and electrolyte value of avocados is so rich, right? So, they should be a part of your diet, of course. Celery is another great one. Super good source of electrolytes. Mushrooms and particularly talking about Button mushrooms and button mushrooms are the ones you're going to see in the supermarket, the little ones. They've got a great, great profile for electrolytes. So these are the top five, but I want to get across that in order to hit our recommended daily intake, we need to be consuming seven to 10 cups of vegetables every day. That is a shitload of vegetables, right? That's a lot. So the reality is that most people are under consuming, which is not news to virtually anyone, right? So the take-home message is eat more vegetables. And I'm a proponent for the rainbow method, which is that you need all the different colors in those cups all the time on your plate every meal because the nutrient and electrolyte profile of each different colored food is different and equally important to the body's function. So, get them all in. Now, I just want to quickly cover some stuff because those that know do know a little bit about this stuff might be wondering why I didn't mention these two, bananas and dairy. I want to give a quick explanation to why I didn't mention bananas. So, bananas are a super good source of potassium and a lot of people know that and a lot of people that are trying to grow their body, that are trying to bodybuild or build muscle or get fitter, often potassium is lacking in their diet. Remember, when you're trying to grow the body, trying to get bigger or gain weight for whatever reason, your body needs more electrolytes because there's more cells in the body. So, potassium is often under-consumed in in bodybuilders' diets and and that's why a lot of people do eat bananas. But why didn't I mention them? In my personal opinion, bananas are simply sugar bombs. And again, and the reality is that it is not worth the massive sugar hit that you get for the electrolyte payoff. I think that you can eat a lot of other healthy foods or you can eat bananas in moderation. And I hate the word moderation because it doesn't mean anything. It's it's so subjective. Um, but what I mean is that you maybe you only have half a banana every two days or one banana every four days or you know whatever it is for you. But that's why I didn't mention them because... I think there are better sources of electrolytes that don't have the sugar hit. Now, next one, dairy. Why didn't I mention dairy? Okay, dairy, as you know, I kind of hinted at before, uh, kind of gave my opinion subtly about the dairy industry and the well-marketed ads about calcium being good for your bones. There certainly is nutritional value to dairy products, without a doubt, without a doubt. But guess what? I don't include it in many of my suggestions, recommendations, or daily diet in 99% of the time. Why? Because, again, it's a payoff thing, right? And what do I mean by that? I mean that for all the calcium that you might get, which often is far less than you probably imagine, and you know the protein that you might get from yogurt and all of these different things, you also get that what that cow's life has endured. And what do I mean by that? I mean steroids, hormones, antibiotics, um, antiviral medications, all of these different things. And the milk often and the dairy products often go through such chemically, such heavy processing that it results in the nutrient value being depleted. But I'm not talking about the nutrient value. The nutrient value might be great and often is in organic dairy sources. I'm personally avoiding the crap that's in it that's toxic for my body, that my body's going to spend energy detoxing, right? So, that's why I don't mention bananas and dairy. And you'll probably hear me continually bang on about that dairy point throughout the the life of the podcast because I think that the negative effects of these types of foods are not worth it. Anyway, 
I wanted to get you guys up to speed with what electrolytes are, where, where they come from, what imbalances look like, what can cause imbalances, and, of course, the things you should have in your diet to completely avoid these situations. But before I wrap up, I want to talk about sports drinks because they're the things that bang on about electrolyte replacement, right? So, do I personally think we need to consume sports drinks or electrolyte drinks? Well, firstly, is there anything that blue that is remotely going to be healthy for you? I'll let you answer that. You probably know, right? Of course not. So, these companies that sugar load their electrolyte drinks do so, of course, so it sells, it's yummy, kids are addicted to it, sugar's an addictive substance, and of course, those natural colors, they've got all sorts of unnatural compounds in them that uh, artificial coloring and all of these different types of things. Um, but there is potentially a benefit to having the sugar in there though, right? So, the sugar, having the sugar in there means that, or, or at least this is what is boasted about, the sugar in electrolyte sports drinks means that the electrolytes have a, a faster uptake. They're uptaken more quickly. The sugar is absorbed by the small intestine and it primes everything for a faster electrolyte uptake. Now, that is great if this is your first drink in five months because you're in a in the middle of a famine. But most people that are anywhere near uh, a fridge that has Gatorade in it or whatever sports drink it might be is very unlikely to be so deficient that that tiny, tiny increase in uptake from sugar being in the drink is beneficial. And again, this is like I just ranted about with dairy, dairy, right? It's the cost, the risk and reward. So, um, if you if you take in the sugar for a faster uptake, yeah, you're kind of cheating the system. But the 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 cost that you pay for that is is that you absorb all of that calorific sugar. And these drinks are extremely calorific. So, do I think these sugar hits are worth it? Absolutely not. And you can just as easily have some food or maintain regular intake of electrolyte loaded foods to not run into any kind of issue where you would remotely need an added however many grams of sugar into your sports drink to make it beneficial. You're not going to have an excessive electrolyte depletion after 45 minutes in the gym, or it's very unlikely at least. If you're in a famine or you just ran a marathon, then maybe this might be beneficial. Or you've been playing on a tennis court for four hours and you've just won Wimbledon, (laughs) then maybe you'll fall into that category. So, my personal opinion is I say no. I don't think that sports drinks are worth it in the slightest. And if you're worried about salt during, during an after workouts, you can literally just add physical table salt or Himalayan and sea salt is what I recommend. I always recommend that over conventional white table salt. You can literally just add that to your drink. Some people do that. They just add salt to their drink and go to the gym and then they're all sorted, right? So, uh, that's an easy enough way or if, you know, if you've got your meal planned for an hour or you do a shake or whatever it is, add foods in that I mentioned before or foods that are heavy in electrolytes, add just salt straight into those shakes or meals that you have post-workout and leave those artificially flavored sugar bombs on the shelf. Now, of course, obviously at the chemist, there are different types of drinks like Hydrolyte and there are various different brands that are essentially electrolyte replacements. Now, these ones are designed obviously for when you're sick and actually maybe if you're really, really unwell and the only thing you seem to be able to get down is a sports drink, then just maybe 
just maybe that's its only useful purpose, right? But it's important that you can utilize these different things and often they dissolve in water to get good salts in when you are really sick. So, you can use these electrolyte replacements that you can get at chemists and supermarkets and different places in order to do that. Outside of this, of course, the sugar is not worth it. Right, so that's my verdict and that's today's episode. We're pretty much wrapping up. So, if you learned anything today or you believe you have any friends or family that might learn something or need to hear this information, please share this with them and take a screenshot. And for the Instagrammers out there, post that screenshot to your Instagram story and give me a tag. I love to know who's watching and I will give you a shout out. I will share it myself and we will be able to connect. So, please jump on the gram and do that. And um, if you're on Facebook, LinkedIn, just search me up, Maddie Lansdowne, but Instagram's my main hangout place. And of course, if you have any questions or you want me to answer anything on the podcast, you can email me at podcast at maddielansdown.com and all of this information will be in the show notes below so thank you so much for tuning in for another episode and in the meantime make sure you register for the eat real food health summit again it's an international speaker event 16 speakers it's amazing content and the, the sign up to the freebies is in the show notes thanks so much and i will see you soon Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use. And we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.